So growing up, playing cards were taboo. It was, uh, I think it's something that both the church and my parents, I'm not sure if it was just the, my parents and the church, it was certainly the church that I grew up in, okay? So like playing cards, I, I, I don't know why, um, all sorts of dark links, if you held the ace of clubs or the queen of spades, touch them once and who knows what could happen, destruction. Which kind of made a kid like me really want to touch them. Because <laughs> I thought just touching the cards wouldn't be a big deal. Okay, but while playing cards featuring four suits, one or two jokers, 13 cards total per suit, total of a uh, 52 suited cards, and then if you had the jokers, 53 or 54 was off limits, okay, can't touch them, okay, don't even get close. When you hear that as a kid, you're like, I got to touch these things. Rook. Rook, created in 1906 by Parkner's Brothers, which also featured four suits, black, red, green, yellow, and one Rook card, the bird, for a drum total, a total of a 56 suited cards and 57 with the bird, that possessed absolutely no danger whatsoever. No problem. Just like playing cards, absolutely going straight to hell, Rook cards, yay! We get to play cards at church. I don't know. Maybe there's more diversity. There's more colors. Maybe it's uh, throwing off a monarchy vibe. Or So Rook it was. Rook it is. And while I cautiously played Smear or 500 at the high school lunch, I was always a little bit worried about getting hit by lightning. Why do we think that? Why do we like, you know, God's like, oh, you screwed up once. You know, and is playing cards even really screwing up? That's what I thought, you know. Later, I would add cribbage, but Rook would always occupy some space. In fact, to this very day, I play Rook a couple times a year. I love playing with my son, William. I love it if we're on the same team. I love it if we're opponents because he and I are absolutely ruthless in how we bid. I mean, we will bid with low offsuit and one high card, no question. We'll just go, because if the other team doesn't bid big, then we know the joker or the rook card is somewhere probably in the blind, you know? And so, like, we just go nuts. I mean, and we're totally bluffing, okay? Just bluffing our way to get the cards that are in the blind. Get back to that in a little bit. Page 1007. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, starts off, Therefore, brothers, and it should be therefore brothers and sisters, it's community, it's not gender-specific, since we have confidence. This word confidence is an interesting word. You have, you have the permission. You have, you have the right. Um, you, you're, you're authorized. But there's also an element of, of, of a willingness to take a chance, um, uh, willingness to receive something that you've deserved, have achieved, have been rewarded, have earned, have been gifted. It encompasses all of that, but, but the limit with all of those things is that there's an element of personal, personal human effort. And the confidence here is all of those things plus the reality that this confidence comes not from our ability to personally get to this place. But this confidence comes because Jesus Christ has created a pathway that we simply get to follow. So it, it's, it's more like, like, say you're snowshoeing in the woods, okay? And, and you come across a trail, okay, that's been broke for you, okay? And so you follow that trail, Okay, all you have to do is follow the trail. The hard work's been done. 
You just follow the trail. Or the first time that you Jumar up a climbing line. Okay, I remember the first time I was on Palisade Head. I was with this cat. I think his name was Roger. And anyway, we pressed up, okay, Jumar up this fixed line. Um, uh, the name of the climb was, uh, I think it was called Bluebells, now that I think about it. Okay, and, and you climb, and basically you're following a fixed line. The work's been done. All you have to do is stay on the rope. Or someone giving you a code to, to unlock some ancient, mystical, spiritual, something that's been pursued through the centuries, but now is definitively established. Confidence. It's all, all of that in that word. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, the holy places, it, it's the realm of God. It's, it's the space behind the curtain. Okay, so in, 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 in how the things happened in, in uh, seeking God, okay, you used to be like, okay, okay, you wouldn't go any further than this, right? Okay, in the old temple, you wouldn't go any further than this, okay? And then one dude would go further than this once a year with a rope tied around his ankle, okay? Because on the other side of this curtain is where the presence of God exists, okay? Okay, so, so entering the holy places, okay, is now radically different because the curtain's no longer there. I want to make sure I get that on the right line. Otherwise, John and I will be going nuts for the rest of the time. Now, we enter the holy places on the stuff that's on the other side of the curtain through Jesus Christ. We'll get more on that in just a little bit. It's more than just a small space behind a curtain. There is being unveiled this spiritual reality. It's, it's access to God. It's access where God is at. It's the heavens. I was asked this last week. Minnesota Teen Challenge was on site, and, and they do this thing where they interview various churches because they want to teach their guys how to, once they graduate from the program, get, in, uh, get involved in a local community of believers. And so every once in a while they come and they, they interview me like I was going to be the church that they would show up at. And, and so I had this one question that, that, that really kind of like took me back for a second. The question was, do you believe in the supernatural? And I was like, well, <laughs> what do you think I do for a living? You know, I'm like, you know, but then I, I, I didn't respond like that, right, except in my head. And I'm like, okay, okay well, what, what do you mean by that, I asked. Do you mean, do I believe that the miracles of Jesus are true? Yeah, yes. Yeah, without question. I believe the miracles of Jesus are true. I believe the supernatural things that the Bible speaks of are true. They are, they are real. And then I added, I believe that what is invisible is more real than what is visible. It's like if, if we had the curtain over again, okay, and we pulled back the curtain, and, and you could see through, not the window that shows you the out of doors, but you could see through a passageway, and there was a whole other world there. I believe that what is unseen is more real than what is seen. The holy places, the realm of God, in essence... To our eyes right now, the invisible. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way. A new and living way. This, this new way, literally it's a first century word that describes a fresh kill. Okay, so like say that you are a hunter or, or fisher person, okay, and you have a deer comes and you end or you lift a crappie out of the water, it's fresh, okay, it's, it's brand new, it's fresh by a new, a fresh and living way. It's a new take on an old problem. The blood of the final sacrifice, which is the new thing that is being sacrificed, and the crazy thing is the sacrifice is alive. I mean, this is a decidedly different take on offering a sacrifice. Usually the Passover lamb stayed dead. You would kill the Passover lamb, the Passover lamb would stay dead. And here, in this new, fresh, living way, the sacrifice, Jesus Christ, is alive. But the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, the imagery of the temple, the curtain would cover, the priest would only go in there once a year, is now accessible through Jesus Christ. Commentators wrestle with exactly what is going on here. So so the the curtain is no longer existing. Jesus Christ is in its place. Is Jesus Christ the curtain? Bruce has this idea that in the Old Testament, the idea was that, that the people were on one side of the curtain and that God was on the other side of the curtain. And, and now, the curtain was the only thing that touched both. And now you have Jesus Christ in the exact same place. God the Father on one side, us on the other, and the material separation has become being. That, that the curtain is now a living thing. And the thing that separates us from God isn't something that separates us from God. The thing between us and God is Jesus. And we have access, Bruce argues, to the Father, through the Son. The material has become being, the physical has become metaphorical, the temporal has become eternal. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Do you like my voice this morning? How are you doing? <laughs> you really have to acknowledge how different this is, even though the Old Testament points to this reality. E- even for us, this supernatural reality, being in relationship with a non-visible entity, it'll twist you up. I, I suppose it's why some people just like dismiss it out of hand and say, well, if I can't see it, it's not real. I mean, if I can't describe it or, or understand it in its totality, some would say it's not true, so I'm just going to push away. But, but if I can't describe something or understand something, the thing that I think is maybe I don't know everything there is to know. Differential equations, no idea. Quantum physics, even Chem 103 if you're in Florida today, I have no idea. That doesn't mean these things aren't real. <laughs> 
Tell me that you understand a bird in flight. Tell me you understand how it works. Not the physics of it, I can explain that, but why does a bird choose this way versus that way, and why does it go this way, and why does it go that way? Tell me how and why we understand why someone would fall in love with me. (laughs) Tell me why two kids, okay, two kids, exact same genetic source material, turn out so wonderfully and amazingly different. Tell me why. Tell me why. Uh, A mom or a dad can be great parents and the kids spin off in a different direction. I think there's a lot. There's a lot that we don't know. In fact, I think the more education that I get and the more that I read, the more I understand how little I know. Oh, to have modesty with what we think we know. So some folks, when approached with the reality of Jesus Christ and the pathway to God through Jesus Christ, some folks say, no, can't be real. And I go, there's a mystery here that perhaps is beyond my understanding. But I want to grab a hold of the mystery. Verse 21 And since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, the great priest is who? Yep, thank you very much. That we can draw near, we can get close, you don't need a mask. You can get near with a true heart, okay, a pure heart. What does this look like, right? A well-intentioned heart? I I think at the core of it is, A pure heart is a heart that is not focused on self. Um, A well-intentioned heart is a heart that 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 pushes away narcissistic tendencies. That that a pure heart, a true heart, it's it's the difference between do I want what I want for self? Do I want what I want because it's my right? Or do I want what I want? because I want the best of God's will in my life. The true heart wants the best of what God's best is in an individual's life. The difference between a pure heart and a a non-pure heart, I would argue, is do I want what I want for self or for the establishment of God's best in my life? And this is something that challenges my heart to this very day. Whenever I think along the lines of, oh, I want that, is it because I want that? Am I asserting my ability to achieve that thing or stake out this ground? Or am I seeking the establishment of God's best in my life? Do I have a true heart? Do I have a pure heart? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. This idea of confidence comes again. We're going to do faith in another chapter, so we won't define it today. We're going to move right on. Hearts are clean. With our hearts sprinkled clean, clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Hearts are clean, forgiven. Forgiven. You can be forgiven. I can be forgiven. 
for the stupid stuff that I did this week, there is forgiveness. For the stupid stuff that you did this week, there is forgiveness. For the stupid stuff that I will do this week, there is forgiveness. For the stupid stuff you do this week, there's forgiveness. And two things need to be said about this forgiveness. A, you need it. You can't survive without it. And B, it's available for us when we ask. Our hearts are clean, forgiven. We can be forgiven when we ask. Bodies are freshly showered, okay, pure water. Commentators disagree. Is this talking about baptism? Maybe. Yes. It certainly is this idea of sanctification. That, that as we move, okay, from, 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 from a place where we didn't know Jesus Christ to where we know Jesus Christ, okay, when we cross that line from death to life, and then as we follow Jesus Christ, our, our lives are continually improved, our lives are continually cleaned up. Our lives are continually getting rid of the old because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Remember all the common metaphors we used last week? We can get close. We can get really close because our bodies are continually being washed. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering holding fast. We've talked about this before. Remember the sailors? They would tattoo, hold fast on their knuckles. Hold fast to, to the confession. What is the confession? What are the essentials of the Christian faith? Salvation? Who Jesus Christ is? This idea of being saved through Jesus Christ, not on our own effort but be based on a pathway that he has cut through the woods, the snowshoe metaphor, based on a fixed line that he has provided if we just get on the line and stay on the line. The essentials, salvation, both now and future. Salvation just isn't a point-in-time occurrence. This is essential. It's not just a point-in-time occurrence. It is a point-in-time occurrence, but it moves forward into the future. The Greek words are always along the lines of you're saved, you're being saved, you're going to be saved. It's not just one thing, it's all of these things. Salvation isn't complete until we're on the other side, right? These are essentials. We hold fast to our confession, to the essentials, to what I have confessed, what is true about me, my confession of faith. Who is Jesus to me? If he's just a friend, I would argue it's not enough. The Bible would say it's not enough. Now certainly Jesus can be a friend, but he needs to be more than a friend. He needs to be Savior. He needs to be the individual that we follow as our example for, for, for life. Who Jesus is to me. How I see God at work in my life, that's my confession of faith. We, we, we hold fast to the essentials, to the things that are true, to the work of God in our lives. We're willing to tell people about those things. We hold fast to our confession. It's, it's why we put so much emphasis on the faith story. 
We, we want to weekly give an example of people who are holding fast to their confession of faith. And if you never give your faith story on this stage, that's, that's fine. It's not, but it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's really not, because we're going to ask you to do it. But if you never give your faith story, if there's nothing about our lives that confesses the reality of who Jesus Christ is in our lives, that is a sadness that we should not be able to bear. And it's a sadness that we don't have to bear. Hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised, who's the he? Yeah, or God, or, you know, triune God, Yahweh. Yeah, a bunch of different stuff. I don't mean to be glib with uh, my, my response, but yeah, without question. Jesus is always a good standard answer. Who caused you to sin in the world? Slow down! The promise of God, salvation, right? That we can be saved through the Son, providing a pathway that involves a relationship. Can you trust the promise? Can we trust the promise and the promise maker? Or do you think the promise maker is bluffing? This article is last week in the Wall Street Journal. Okay, if I use the Wall Street Journal? Is that right? All right, sounds great. About game theory. You had done any research on this? This is the coolest thing in the world. It's about how people make decisions and why they make decisions the way they make decisions and how they're likely to make a decision in a given situation. And specifically, the article talked about, um, well, it was this gentleman by the name of Richard Gibson, okay? And his doctoral... His dissertation was Regret Minimization in Games and the Development of Champion Multiplayer Computer Poker Plane Agents. He goes on to say, Regret is a formalized mathematical concept when it comes to making decisions in an uncertain environment. It's the difference between an optimal decision and an actual decision. Minimizing regret, man, do I love this. Minimizing regret is an important ingredient in many modern poker plane algorithms. Okay, well, I'm not a big poker player, but minimizing regret is what I want my life to be about. Do we think God's bluffing? I mean, even ask the person who's far from God. Do you think God's bluffing? Really? Do you, do you think God's bluffing? Do you think God's sitting here with a losing hand saying, I'm going to offer you salvation, but he doesn't have the cards? Do you think God's bluffing? If you play William or me in Rook, we are bluffing every single hand. We're not holding the cards. We're bluffing every single hand because it's fun. Do we think God is bluffing? Most would probably say no. So then why do I hold on to a losing hand? If God's not bluffing, why do we play a losing hand? And if you're here today or out there today, 
you're in one of two camps. If you've never said yes to starting a relationship with Jesus Christ, why not play God's hand? Because he's not bluffing. His promise is sure. The other side, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and I say this to my soul as much as anyone's soul in this room, because I've said yes to following Jesus Christ with my life. The challenge for me, I would argue the challenge for you too, but I'm just going to make it personal to me. I've said yes to following Jesus with my life. And, and at times it's brilliant and wonderful and beautiful. And at other times I'm like, okay, if I've said yes to following Jesus Christ, why isn't my life more like Christ? We're all in one of two camps. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, then, then please, God's not bluffing. T today is a day in your life. F fold a losing hand. Pick up God's cards. And know salvation. And if you've had the good fortune, like I've had the good fortune, to say yes to Jesus Christ, then again, qu quit playing bad cards. Take the cards that Christ affords. Take the confession of faith. Take the things that are true about me when I think about Jesus Christ, my need for a Savior, my need for an example, my need for hope, my need for confidence. Fold the losing hand and pick up the cards, even if they're rook cards, even if they're playing hordes, play the cards that God affords. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this time. I love this text. It's so real to my soul and so challenging to my being. And I hope you make it alive in everyone's life in the way that only your spirit can make it alive. And I pray if you're here today or hearing my words right now and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I know I've said it and I'll continue to say it. Fold the losing hand. Please. Just say, Jesus, I want you in my life. You can even say, Jesus, I don't want to play these cards. I want to play your cards. Save me. That's enough to start a relationship. for all of us.
all that we do that's good and all that we do that's not good. May we discover redemption in our daily existence because our eyes and our hearts and our thoughts are focused on Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the confidence that only comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen.